watchers in the fourth dimension. There is a hostile presence among us. I think our animal, our vegetable. Must kill. Must kill. Hello and welcome back to Watchers in the Fourth Dimension. I'm Anthony. I'm Don. I'm Julie. And I'm Riley, and I might have known Space Security Service, License to Kill. This episode, we'll be discussing the only episode of Doctor Who to not feature any of the main cast. That's right, it's Mission to the Unknown. What caused this weird little anomaly of an episode? With Planet of Giants having been cut down by an episode, the second recording block had a small broadcasting deficit. In the knowledge that the episode would be held over into the third season, the decision was made to use it as a prologue to the forthcoming Dalek story. The regular cast was given an extra week's vacation for the duration of this episode, although William Hartnell was still credited despite not appearing due to contractual reasons. The episode itself was written by series stalwart Terry Nation, and he used it to introduce some of the concepts that he wanted to use in his proposed Dalek spin-off series, for example, the Space Security Service. The episode was filmed as part of the same production block as Galaxy 4, and so this had Derek Martinez as director. Again, didn't have an assigned composer, this was part of cost-cutting measures thanks to our boy, Richard Martin, overspending on his serials, and Richard Hunt returned as one of the two designers assigned to the story. Raymond Cusick was the additional designer, handling all of the Dalek items. This episode is also notable for being the swan song of Verity Lambert as producer. I think that it's safe to say that without her, it's far less likely that the show would have been anywhere near as successful as it was, and it probably wouldn't be around today. She was, of course, the one who fought to get elements off the ground. She stood up to Sidney Newman on getting the Daleks on screen, for example. And one last little note. We're recording this on the 10th of October 2019. The University of Central Lancashire recreation of the episode was posted to YouTube yesterday. So we'll be touching on that as we discuss this episode. It's time to move on to discussing the story itself, and this time around, our short summary is in the hands of Julie. Three men are stranded on what appears to be a jungle planet. The quote-unquote leader callously kills man who says he must kill. What? While the surviving two men leave to fix the ship, the dead man turns into a fluffy yet spiky moving plant animal thing. The men then try to create a beacon while the Daleks and Varga close in. When they leave to avoid the Varga, the captain gets struck by the Varga and our fearless leader overhears the Dalek plans to conquer Earth yet again. Fearless leader again callously kills the other man struck by the Varga and a message is recorded but not sent since our fearless leader is killed by the Daleks. Now one must wonder how the doctor will find this message. Awesome. <laughs> Obvious question. Does a story without the Doctor work? Yes. Sure. Yeah. I, I think it does. Yeah. yeah. It's fine. It's definitely an interesting one because I've been trying to think about what people must have thought about it at the time with no knowledge that the Doctor wouldn't show up. So you've got this story that's building and building and building. You never quite know when the TARDIS is going to arrive and the Doctor's going to save everyone. And he just doesn't. That's quite a big thing at this point in the show, I think. Yeah, I think that's a pretty interesting twist on it. I mean, I didn't really put I didn't put myself in that perspective because as, you know, going through these episodes in the future, everyone is aware of this one being the one without the Doctor, but audiences back then would not have been aware of that. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. They did at least have the Daleks, and that's going to, like, kids are going to love that. Like, they're going to, you know, be like, oh, there was Daleks, and there was these other weird creature things. From that perspective, I think that's fine. Kids don't need the continuity from a certain age. Don't need, you know, that kind of continuity and things like that. So 
And that was a big part of their base, their, their audience base. It's different. It's interesting. I don't know that people would have been let down, but they would have just been like, what? And I think that's a little different than let down. What's interesting about this is the last time we saw the Daleks was in The Chase. They were kind of comedy Daleks. We had the stupid Dalek who couldn't do math. Don was very fond of the one that was body slammed by Frankenstein's monster. Yes, yes, I was. Here, it feels like they're almost course correcting to me. How do you make them a big threat again? Well, let's put them up against someone with a license to kill who's absolutely not James Bond and have them win and just kill everyone. I think this is such a, an interesting little episode. Yeah, but they win against a guy who's really incompetent <laughs> no, no, hear me out here so Corey is this james bond with the serial numbers filed off who takes a group of people to the most dangerous planet in the galaxy doesn't tell them where they're going and doesn't tell anyone that they're going there this yeah. is a terrible plan they're not prepared for any of the dangers they may face, and he thinks he knows what's going on. He, he thinks there are Daleks there, and they're up to something. And so he just guides these poor people in there, and then they all die. Also, he's Mr. Smooth Spy Guy. He, he has no idea how their, their safety beacon thing works. And it's standard equipment. Yeah, it's, it's not great. I like what Julie brought up, which I was Corey. He's he's the most dangerous person of them all. He's the one that kills all the crew members. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I mean, it's uh, not to get too uh, deep cut, but it just kept it reminded me of a Kids in the Hall skit from a long time ago about uh, a if you uh, say, bank well, robbers. this is going to happen to you. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm... exactly. Yeah. <laughs> The bank robber who threatens people by then, like, showing his force by killing one of his own people, and it just carries on until he literally kills all of his own people. What I found really hilarious that I didn't pick up in the recon, but watching the remake, is with Lowry, he gets infected by the Varga because Corey kind of gives him a little push. Yeah, bumps him out, like, pushes off him. Yeah. Nope. I'm glad you brought that up. That was I was going to mention that as well. It's like he literally just like, all right, buddy, I'm going to get up now. And he stands up and pushes on his shoulder and knocks him right into it. <sighs> He's the worst. <laughs> yeah. So we start getting some ideas of what might be coming in this future Dalek epic that's on the horizon. Even though if we were the audience in 1965, we wouldn't know it was on the horizon because next week we'd be in ancient Troy instead. So we get introduced to this concept of this alliance between the seven races, including the Daleks, and that they're going to invade. What I really love is how Terry Nation seems to just use the phrases solar system and galaxy interchangeably. So I'm not quite sure whether they're going to invade <laughs> our solar system or our galaxy. Uh, or a little bit of both. universe is used so many times by, by the overacting guy with the kind of rock face pattern and he overacts in, in both versions. So way, way to go recreation people. I, I actually came up with names for all of them. You had uh, you, you just mentioned his name's tile face uh, next to him is egghead. And then to his other side is antenna head uh, on the far right is radiation suit guy. And then uh, no one can forget melt face. And then the last guy is uh, what I like to call bad oogie boogie costume guy. <laughs> That's... Oh, oh I, I called that one evil Orko. 
<laughs> Evil Orca. It was also good. my favorite because once I saw that character design on screen, I completely forgot about everything else and just wanted more of that. <laughs> Evil it Christmas made me tree. so happy. Just the, the triangle eyes and it it was awesome. <laughs> they were all named in scripts, but for years because this story's been missing, as well as Dalek's master plan. No one actually knew which one was which on their actual name. So they they, they knew Tileface was Malpha. I was about to say this. This sounds like a a, a Doctor Who BuzzFeed quiz article. <laughs> Can you connect the lost name to the correct uh, villain in this Doctor Who serial? Yeah, probably not. <laughs> and it looks like some super obscure cosplay to me. Uh, we have our plans for Dragon Con next year, guys. <laughs> so. I have a quick question about the whole thing in general. So you have the Daleks getting together and willing to join this alliance, right? Why? Why? It doesn't make any sense to me. The Daleks don't seem like the type to get along with anybody and accept the help from anybody. So I'm still just wondering, how did this happen? I would like to answer that. Please. I can't because it makes zero <laughs> sense, but I would like to be able to answer that question for you. <laughs> I, uh, I have a feeling we might find out in a few weeks' time. Will we, though? Will we really? I think so. Also, if I... why would anyone else join the Daleks? That too. Well, apparently humans are such utter dicks <laughs> that everyone is willing to team up with the Daleks to destroy us. I can buy that. Eh, all right. Also, another question that I had. So the Daleks come to this other planet that's not Skaru. Why did they specifically bring the Varga with them? Like, it just seems very odd that they're like, all right, we're going to go to this other planet where we're going to just get together and form this alliance. So you know what? We're going to bring our little, like, animal plant things just just to have some shits and giggles. I, th- I thought it was because uh, it, it was it was mentioned in like some sort of exposition of the, the Varga with their defense mechanism. You know, when they set up outposts, they just you know put these around so no one can get close. I was wondering about that, too. I was also wondering where Corey kept getting his information from. He, well, from Space Security Service. He knew service. a lot of information dump stuff, including suddenly he knew the Daleks, if you'll pardon the pun, master plan. And I was like, where exactly did you overhear it from? I, I missed something, I guess. Yeah, I think I missed that too. Yeah, I just have lots of questions. None of them were answered. It's fine. One thing I found fascinating about this, and I'm going to pull the historian thing here, is to me, there are so many elements of the time, right? So we already mentioned Secret Agent Mark Corey. Well, Bond was a big thing. The Avengers was on TV. You'd had the Saints. So the whole kind of spy mania craze was going on equally here you've got jungle warfare at the same time that the vietnam war is going on and then also we have cactuses that kind of do interesting things to people's minds and this was like the manchurian candidate came out around the same time as this which kind of had lsd as a weapon for brainwashing and i think that's probably an an influence here as well so I, I just thought this was a really kind of cool cultural artifact of time, more so than anything we've seen in Doctor Who for a while. I think that's a very fair assessment. We, with a name like Space Security Service License to Kill, I mean, you, I mean that's, that's a... That's pure Bond. Uh, yeah, that's just right on the nose there. There's no hiding that reference in the show or what they what were trying to go for. Right. All right. On to the recreation. 
I greatly enjoyed the recreation. I thought they did a very good job. I actually was even more uh, interested in the little making of they did that was also on the Doctor Who YouTube channel, which I found very interesting. Oh, the making of was great. One thing I enjoyed, because I watched the recreation first before the retcon, and I, I had notes like that musical sting seems a bit overdramatic, especially as Terry Nation's name appears, and various comments that I thought they might be almost parodying the 60s style, hmm. but then watching the recon, I'm like, nope, they were just yep. <laughs> they were just doing exactly what was there, and it was great. It seemed to like fall in line pretty well. It also looked like they had a higher budget, even though I'm pretty sure it actually wasn't a higher budget. It just seemed like it, because they did a really <laughs> good job with the set work and everything, and the Varga looks so much better. <laughs> When we get to um, the second episode of Dalek's Master Plan, which is one of the ones that exists, you will see exactly how good a job they did at recreating the jungle. Like, it's perfect. Absolutely perfect to what's on screen in Dalek's Master Plan. Wow. I guess the big thing is they didn't have any um, cost for actors, given that they used students. But all the set and uh, actual recording facilities would have cost money. I think they did a great, great job. Absolutely. I, I was thinking about how I wouldn't mind them doing more, but this story is perfect because there's no doctor or any, like, you know, consistent cast members. So it won't rub viewers the wrong way to see someone else performing one of these characters. You say that, but someone, when the trailer came out about a week ago, someone on Gallifrey Base complaining about how much younger Corey and Lowry were. <laughs> complained that the story that the uh, the wow. recreation was and i quote full of twinks oh my god <laughs> there's only one line that makes it not work and it was because lowry does say that he had like worked with somebody for 15 years and you could legitimately be like well you you couldn't have worked with someone for 15 years because you weren't working for that long because you would have been like a baby but that's like the only line that really has an issue and i just glance over it because they're actors i don't, don't care get me started on the lowry character <laughs> oh oh well too late i like how his one of his early lines is my first responsibility is to get this ship off the ground he says while stepping away from doing work and then continues to do that every chance he gets well you know more than my job's worth. Pretty much. It's like, oh, fix the ship. Let me step back a moment to talk about how I should be fixing this ship. He should have gone and get a, got a cup of tea. Something. You know, just anything to avoid doing work. It's like builders back in England. The, the joke is they spend more time drinking tea than they do actually building. I did like the difference between the original Cory and the remake Cory. Because the original is so much more macho and, and bossy and the... Remake one is a little bit softer. Almost a little uncertain, I thought. Almost, yes. And actually, I think that probably works a little bit better because, again, he made that first initial terrible decision of not telling anybody what was happening. And it's like, oh, well, maybe this is him, like, thinking maybe that was a bad idea. So I think it actually kind of works. There's a lot of bad ideas running around. He doesn't tell anybody anything. The quote-unquote captain doesn't tell him when he gets hit by the oh wait yeah. communication is an right. important thing oh my gosh i never knew that no we, we, we don't do that around here need to know basis 
I'm waiting for Anthony to say, am I reading too much into this and talk about how <laughs> they all die because they <laughs> fail to communicate, and then at the end, their communication fails to get off the launch pad to get them rescued? Uh, uh, I, don't, uh, I, I don't need to say anything on that. <laughs> You've just said it for me, John. <laughs> One thing I really love is how they... I mean, this was the University of Central Lancashire, which is in northern England, and Corey and Lowry both... The, the two actors who played them went to great lengths to try and ensure they had the correct accents. And then that entire illusion is completely spoiled when we meet delegates and Malfa, Tileface, <laughs> has a broad northern accent. And desperately needs a lozenge. <laughs> I, was, I was just waiting for him to proclaim that Winter is coming. Oh, the th <laughs> one, thing, one of my first oh. notes... And this is, all, I think only Anthony will get this reference, was when Lowry began speaking, there was something about his cadence, and I'm like, he sounds like Rick Sanchez from Dark Place. <laughs> the you and he were buddies, weren't you? That line, just, there was yeah. something about his cadence that sounded like that, and I had to stop it because I started laughing so hard. That's amazing. I thought it was a very interesting choice that for Tileface, I mean, obviously I only noticed this in the recreation, not the... Uh, Recon, but when he's talking to the Daleks and they're going over the map of the solar system, he's just constantly pointing with the gun that is in his hand <laughs> at all times. <laughs> I, I, just that was an I just thought that was an interesting choice. That's from the Ed Wood School of Emphasis right there. Yeah, I'm like, don't you use a gun to point at things? I mean, like, what else are you going to do with it? So instead of looking at the recreation, I looked at both the reconstruction and I actually listened to the audio as well. Oh, you did all three. I did. I know. I have no life. What I liked about the reconstruction is that they still animated the Dalek lights on their heads yes. whenever they spoke. And I was just like, they went through a lot of effort just to at least add a little bit more, even though it was all still shots, which I found interesting. And then with the audio, there's two things that I had. It was one, I thought the audio was a very good quality compared to some of the previous episodes and serials that we've listened to. And one thing I found interesting is that they described the colors of the Daleks. So they actually described the, you know, one being black and the other being like the, the blue color. And I was actually curious as to whether or not there was always this idea that there were certain colors um, behind the scenes or if they kind of used those colors after some of the other colored shows have come out so i think this was the first time the black dalek shows up so otherwise they've all been that kind of gray and blue color scheme mm -hmm. before this and then after this going forward we start seeing more and more colors particularly once the show goes into color before they then scale it back and you just have the regular and the black dalek again so they they, they can't quite keep up or make up their mind well, I guess it's more of the, since it's black and white, we didn't know that the lighter ones were actually like the gunmetal gray and blue. So I was just curious as to... And by the time we go into color, uh, they do get rid of the blue and they're just gray. That's sad. For the most part. Yeah. But we get things like a gold Dalek later and a black and gold Dalek. Okay, that was just some comments on the non-recreation. Speaking of the Daleks, we've had the two... Between the recreation and the original, we had the two different Dalek voices. I don't know if anyone was uh, obsessive enough to actually take notice of the differences between the two voices, but 
I actually kind of preferred Nick, Nick Briggs's voice work for the Daleks over those from the original. It's hard not to. I know I've gotten very used to it. There was just one in the recreate because like they still had like variations on the Daleks, and one of them in the re- recreation just rubbed me the wrong way. But then the rest were fine. There was just one that like was a little bit deeper, I guess, than the others. Yeah. And for some reason, that just like weirded me out. I don't know. It's probably just because I've only been listening to the you know 60s versions and haven't I haven't watched a ton of New Who recently, so I don't really remember what that's like so it just was a little weird fair enough so the recreation i think i mentioned was effectively a student project there was this film class at the university of central lancashire where the professor who's the i think he's one of the vice chancellors of the university which i guess is like one of the vice presidents of the university here he wanted them to understand tv production methods in earlier times so he went to the BBC and said, hey, do you mind if we do this? We want to use 60s production methods to recreate this episode. And they said, sure, go ahead. I think the news about this broke January or February this year. And I was really excited to hear that it was being done, but I never thought we would actually get to see it. And the timing has been perfect because we've been able to see it in time for this episode of the podcast. Do you think that this kind of helped you guys gain an appreciation of this episode that you wouldn't have otherwise had? I think so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) I don't know. I I don't know. Like, Not to say I really enjoyed watching the recreation, but I don't feel like the reconstruction took too much away from the... What was intended? Uh, I, I disagree. disagree. Yeah. Oh my god. I I <laughs> don't. I mean, if, if they're all we have, the recons are fine. But actually seeing it being acted out and having some motion, I, I think it enhanced it quite a bit. I think it definitely makes it more memorable. I mean, I've I've heard the narrated audio maybe three or four times. I've seen the recon two or three times at this point, and immediately. The recreation is sticking in my head a lot better. I think actually being able to see that movement and take it in is certainly for me really helpful. I agree. I, even if, like in ones where we've gotten animation, like the uh, Reign of Terror, while you know arguments can be made about the quality of the animation, it does help with certain aspects of you know seeing movement, seeing what's happening on screen. I, I think there's a lot of pros that go along with having some sort of visual. Right. So I think we can go ahead and vote. This time around, uh, Riley, you get to go first. It's it's straight. It's to the point. It's fun. It's got. I always am a sucker for like the rogues gallery of of villains, and you get this. It's basically the Who version of the bounty hunter lineup in Empire Strikes Back. You know, it's. Uh, I, I I'm a big fan of uh, prologue. And that's basically what this episode is. And it, you know, throws some, you know, little interesting, you know, new characters and creatures. And and it's just 23 minutes. I mean, it's not like you have to sit around and get bored. Something's always happening. The plot is moving along and and we wrap it all up. So I'm very happy with this episode. I, I give it, uh, I mean... Granted, there could have been like some more depth, but it's not intended to do that. It's meant to, you know, give you a setup for later. So. I'll give it like a seven and a half melt faces out of 10. All right. Uh, I'm up next on this one. 
So I really enjoyed this. It was a nice little cutaway. I think we're helped watching this in the future by knowing that the rest of the story is coming after another four episodes. But I think at the time that might have been a little confusing. I I loved how grim it was. This was hard sci-fi. There was no humor to it. There was no, there was absolutely no campness. And given that we're just left with the camp count, that is why we haven't done any metrics this time. It was horrific in places. The I I think I might have mentioned before, and if I haven't, one of the things that really terrified me as a child was the notion of humans being transformed into something that's not human. So the Vargas for me would have been terrifying when I was a kid. I love the setting. I love that this is foreshadowing something bigger that's coming. I love that the Daleks win. I think this is great. So for me, I'm going to give this eight alien delegates out of ten. Don, over to you, sir. I have I have some mixed feelings about this. Um, first of all, to give praise where it's due, the recreation, as far as doing what they set out to do, ten out of ten amazing work they should be very proud of themselves the actual episode which would include however it originally aired any of the recons i think the script has some issues mainly in the logic of the characters and how stuff happens it just doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense despite that i enjoyed it i i liked like Riley said, the, the rogues gallery of characters that show up, even though they really have no reason to want to hang out with the Daleks at all. But but there you go. Um, For that, I'm going to give it seven evil Orcos out of ten. All right. And Julie. All right. So. A few things. Yeah, I agree with Don. There are some plot issues. Um, So, you know. Why are they willing to do this alliance? Why, you know, a lot of these things. Yes, I understand it. I answered later, Anthony, but for now, it just doesn't, you know, really flow very well for me. Um, Corey's a little bit of a, a weak character. Uh, the recreation's great, um, and it's short to the point. Um, but also, there are no women. Where are the women? So that is a little knock on my point. You need a good female villain come on so i'm gonna give it i'll still give it a seven uh distress beacons out of ten all right so that gives us an average of 7.37 which uh is a lot better than galaxy 4 had as a it should. lot better uh almost double um so julie you, you guys are going to hate me for continually saying this, but we will see some strong women in five episodes' time. Yes! So close! The, the, women, the women are coming. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This was an interesting little story. I'm, I'm glad it was made. I think I might have, um, if I were scheduling things, had it a little later in the season. Maybe immediately before Dalek's master plan, so it fed directly in, but... Hey, I wasn't the producer of Doctor Who. I wanted to touch on what Don said again, and just if anyone from the University of Central Lancashire who was involved in the recreation it happens to be listening, you guys absolutely knocked it out of the park. You can be so proud of yourselves. It was like watching a returned episode. 
Well done. We'll be back next time to discuss the remaining part of the Dalek epic. Oh wait, no, we're actually off to ancient Troy. Never mind! I guess those Daleks are coming later! In the meantime, all of our previous episodes are available on your favourite podcasting app. You can interact with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Watchers4D. And as a reminder, you can always email us at Watchers4D at gmail.com. We do read our emails and occasionally social media comments. But for now, thank you very much for listening and have a good one. You have been listening to Watchers in the Fourth Dimension with Don Smith, Riley Shrek, Julie Philippak, and myself, Anthony Williams. This episode, Kemble Needs Women, was recorded on Thursday the 10th of October 2019. And always remember, when the regular characters aren't in the story, all the good guys die.